This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. This meeting is being sponsored by the FA General Circuit Service Organization for the distinct purpose of creating recordings for the FA CD library. Those who wish, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, I'm really excited to be here. Um, we're at the fourth uh, conference, the fourth FA conference, uh, and I'm lucky enough to have had the opportunity to be in all four. Um, and this is definitely a little overwhelming, and I'm really excited about doing the service. And I've been on my knees a few times in the last half hour, um, and uh, done a few other things that I typically do when I'm nervous, including being very cold. Um, my stomach's going a little crazy, but that's just what happens to me because I have feared out insecurity, and it all goes with being a food addict. So um, I guess I'll just get started with the basics. Um, my numbers, so I'm 32 years old. I came into program uh, four and a half years ago, and it'll be five years in December, beginning of December. And I came into program at 214 pounds, I was actually 220 the week before, but I'm very clear that when I actually stepped in the scale after coming into program, it did say 214. I had tried another one of my little diets before actually coming into the rooms. Um, my current weight is about 172. Um, my highest weight of all times uh, was 260 pounds. And uh, my lowest weight when I came into program, I went down to around 166, and I started looking a little bit uh, too, too thin, so I, I've sort of gradually gotten up there. But pretty much, uh, I, it's, it's a miracle, but I've actually been about the same weight, ranging within around two to three pounds uh, for the last four solid years, um, which is incredible to me. Um, and I'll, I'll start with uh, what it was like, and then I'll talk about what happened, and then go into uh, what it was like now, what it's like now. And I, I, I always like to dwell a little too much on my what it was like and not enough on what it's like now. So I'm going to try to balance that out. Um, I What it was like, I, I grew up in Toronto, uh, Canada, and which is it's all come full, full circle after a few geographical cured type things. Um, I'm back in Toronto now, but I grew up in Toronto. Um, I was born into a wonderful family, two loving parents, sister and a brother, both younger. And, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, my Grandparents came over from Europe, and uh, my family was Jewish by religion, and um, but not that you know they were necessarily you know believed in the religion part of it. It was more the traditions and the customs and the family-oriented uh, nature of you know the religion. So I didn't really grow up with a God in my life. I didn't really grow up um, you know with that part of my life being that important to me or my family, but we did have a really strong uh, family life traditions and, you know, a lot of Friday night dinners. 
when I was really young, everything was pretty cool. Um, I life actually, you know, not that I remember much of it, but before my sister was born, seemed pretty easy. I, I got all the attention that I needed. When she was born, um, that's when my first character defect, I think, started developing, and that was resentment because she was uh, born when I was around two and a half, and up until that point, again, I had all my parents' attention, and then, you know, I look back at my life and, and see that there's nothing that she really did, but I pretty much started resenting her from the day she was born. She was much more of a needy child than I was. She cried a lot. She also, I wasn't very open and communicative with my parents, and my parents uh, tended to like talking to their children, and I would be more interested in watching TV and eating on the couch. So they uh, they just seemed to spend more time doting on her and stuff, and for good reason, because she was more than happy to... Um, you know, she was more than happy to provide them with that. And what happened was I started resenting my sister and, you know, it was out of nowhere. And I was so young that I, until I came into program and started looking at things when I was an adult that I realized that my sister really didn't do anything wrong. And I do love my sister, but the resentment just sort of overtook much of my life. And um, so growing up in my house, there was a lot of um, Friday night dinners, as I said. The portion sizes at the dinners and most of our meals were based on platters going around a table with no real... You know, I, I, in, you know, in my life now, I have two sides to my family, and my wife's side, like, things are sometimes on platters, but it's all relatively sized to the amount of people that are supposed to be eating at a meal. Um, in my family, it was more of a competition to make the best main course, and usually each one of my aunts would come to the dinner with a main course, and everybody had to try each one of these main courses, and each main course could could feed the 30 people in the room. So there's, like, food for 90 at a dinner for 30, and the way you knew to stop eating uh, was when the platter stopped getting passed around and, or uh, when I was like the last one eating and everybody else had walked away from the table. That's how I sort of knew. But I just had no concept. I had absolutely no concept of how much to eat. I just Growing up, I just knew. I, I, I pretty much was used to ending every meal full from as early as I remember. I don't remember um, knowing when to stop eating. I know now in F.A., you know, when I weigh and measure my food, that I don't get hungry between meals as long as I eat within, you know, four to six hours. So I know what it feels like now to be finished a meal, not to be full, and then to get, you know, sort of physically hungry, and then to start another meal, and then to be physically full, and then go to bed, you know, after dinner, and just not be hungry. And it's just, that concept never even, like, occurred to me as being possible until um, I tried it for a while, you know, weighing and measuring my food and sort of having these times told to me and actually trying it, and it works. It's amazing. But growing up, I just had no concept. Like, I just ate when food was put in front of me. I ate when I felt like it. I ate when I was happy. I ate when I was sad. I ate when I was stressed. I ate when I was nervous. I, didn't, I just ate. Um, and, you know, it... So growing up, you know, between, like, you know, 0 and 10, I, I actually, maybe till I was around 8 or 9, I don't think I was really overweight, per se. I, you know, maybe a little chubby or... Um, probably more like just, you know, soft, you know, I wasn't like a skinny little like guy, like a lot of my friends who's like, you could clearly see their ribs through their skin. You know, I, I, I hadn't developed my, my man breasts at that point, but, um, I, I had, you know, didn't, you couldn't see my ribs. Um, and so I thought I was, you know, I was a little fatter and the kids made fun of me cause I, I'm not fast. I have flat feet. Um, when I was playing hockey, when I was a kid, um, I couldn't skate. My ankles weren't strong, so like I was slower. So I just sort of got labeled as like the kid who wasn't as athletic and fast and stuff like that. So it sort of stuck with me, and I, I just got this fear, this doubt, this insecurity when it came to you know being athletic. And then I just sort of started living into what people would call me, like you know whether they'd call me fat or whether they'd call me chubby or they'd.
you know, and they do stick when you're a kid. They do like sort of stick with you, and they just sort of haunt you going through your life. And people just say it, and they mean to be nice, but you know, it just it wasn't uh, good for me, <laughs> anyways. Um, so I did start packing it on though when I was around ten. Like I just sort of totally lived into it. My mom uh, opened up a, a fast, not a fast. Uh, it was sort of like a health food store, like a bulk food store, um, and it was all like stuff you wouldn't want to eat. But then business wasn't going so well, so she sort of you know, change the business into uh, sugar products. You know, I don't want to say what they were, but it was things that you would, you know, not expect to find in a health food store. And she started doing these uh, gift baskets and things. And I used to go to her store and sneak around her store and eat food. And um, my life pretty much consisted of going out with my dad on Saturday. He was in real estate, and we used to go and look at properties. And my dad's favorite thing to do is stop at fast food restaurants and eat. And so <laughs> at that point, because my mom wouldn't let us eat all this stuff, so my dad pretty much would. It was like Saturday afternoon when my mom was at work. We'd go around to all the places my mom wouldn't let us eat, and we'd eat all the food that we weren't allowed to eat. And, and uh, it was great, and I started gaining weight. And by the time I was around 12, um, I was definitely very overweight. I was When, when I was... I think the summer when I was 13, I, I ended up, ha- when I was around 10 or 11, I tried Weight Watchers for the first time, and I went to the community center, and they weighed me in, and I was the, by far the youngest person there, and they pretty much, um, you know, tried to teach me how to eat properly, and so, like, I did from that, from a very young age, I was told, like, what I was supposed to eat, I completely ignored it, came home every day after school, sit on the couch, I'd make, you know, a snack after school while my mom was at work, um, and you know, then I'd eat dinner at normal time. So I, I just ate it way too much uh, for for anyone, you know, from kid my size. I also did all sorts of weird things. You know, in the back of uh, cereal boxes, they'd have these recipes that I don't really think anybody makes. But um, you know, you're supposed to you're supposed to also like there's always these on recipes in general. There's times that they give you, you know, cook for X amount of time. Um, many things that I'd make, I'd figure out a way to do it in the microwave that would save a lot of time. And it was never good, but it was good enough. I mean, the same ing- it was the same ingredients, right? So um, There was also lots of things that you're supposed to cook that I just didn't bother cooking at all because, you know, I convinced myself they actually tasted almost as good, um, you know, raw. And... Uh, yeah, and so it's kind of weird. I don't know where I even thought of these things. You know, that's the amazing thing. Like, it's just this disease that it, it is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And uh, I just don't, I don't know how. Like, I, my parent, my dad wasn't as gross with food as I, I was, and he was really, you know, he, he he liked to eat. I mean, but he didn't do what I did, and I just came up with it on my own. And I was pretty creative. Um, so by the time I was. 13, I saw a friend come, go away for the summer, come back thin, and found out that he had gone to Weight Watchers Camp. And Weight Watchers Camp, which I didn't call Weight Watchers Camp until a couple of years ago, and I came and it was always called Sports Camp. And, uh, <laughs> but it had, you know, the logo was on the door when you walk in. It was a Weight Watchers Camp. And uh, I didn't tell any of my friends. I sort of just disappeared for the summer, and I came back, and I had gone from 212 pounds, and I think 5 feet 1 or something, 5 foot 1, um, to... I think uh, 165 or something like that, or 160. I I was looking pretty normal. I'd also grown over that summer, and I got my first girlfriend, and then I got my second girlfriend and my third girlfriend, all within the first four weeks of camp. And, uh, you know, it was the first time I kissed a girl, and, I like, I was not one of these kids who, you know, took a while. Like, I liked girls when I was, like, 9, 10, 11. Like, I like girls all... I don't remember not liking girls. And, uh, and, but I know no girl ever liked me. Like, there was no one looking at me because I was always the, the, the big kid, the big guy. There was one other kid in my class who was slightly fatter than me, which was good because I wasn't the fattest kid, but I was definitely the second fattest. And, uh, you know, we were the two, two heavyweight, cha- like, it was the heavyweight championship. Wrestling was big when I was a kid, and we had the, 
the World Wrestling Federation Championships every few months. And, you know, I had to roll around with this very, very big guy sweating all over me and just because I was the second biggest guy. And I'd always lose because he basically would get me in this position where he'd, like, lie on me and I couldn't move. And, um, and it was just, you know, I was a little bit more agile. Anyways, the bottom line is I went to this camp and I came back and I had the mind of somebody who was fat with the body of someone who was thin and it took like two solid years to catch up by that time I'd gained weight back though because I couldn't manage like I couldn't eat like they made me at camp because they controlled my food completely um, things were going well generally at school like my high school which started off as a disaster in grade 9 um, started going well when I was thin because I had a little more confidence but it was really false confidence and it would go up and down like I'd be really confident but I'd also be really insecure and I didn't really make like it just didn't make any sense like I just didn't and I think it's pretty normal to go through stuff that way, like that when you're in a teenager but um, anyways the bottom line is at the end of it you know I ended up having a bunch of relationships um, with girls and, and I was always afraid to let anybody know so I'd make them keep it a secret like I wouldn't let them tell other people that we were going out because um, I was afraid that if their friends found out, they'd convince them that, well, you know, he's this fat kid, you know, he's like, his, I, I just don't know. It was very bizarre. And at the time, you know, I was very secretive and manipulative. And um, basically it was all, now I look back, I didn't know at the time, but it was all based on fear, doubt, and insecurity. Um, so to fast forward, like I spent, anytime I got really heavy or I gained like 20, 30 pounds, which is what I typically did every so often, um, I would end up going and going to Nutrisystem and losing it again. And then I'd, so I'd take, take their boxed food, it was terrible, but I'd do it because it worked. And then I'd come back and I couldn't, again, like I had no idea how to really manage like my eating. And I, um, you know, I could control it for a certain amount of time and do work at workout and stuff, but it didn't work long term. So I'd have to go back and I'd pay the money again. And then I'd, and then I just, it just became this routine. Finally, when I went away to school, when I was uh, 19, I went to university and it was a food plan and I lived in residence and I stuck in residence for three years and that's not normal like it you know people don't stay in dorms in Canada for three years I was like the only one because of the food plan it was awesome I mean you just run your card through and you can eat whatever you want more importantly I had a, be a really good strategy of eating healthy food when I went and bought it but then hanging out with people who were really like these weird eaters who don't actually finish what's on their plate and I'd basically you know eat their food um, Going back a bit to my family life growing up all the way through, we always had this like sort of family, um, uh, what's the word for it? You know, it's sort of this keep the peace rule in our, in our family where you cut, I choose. So the only way we could like not create this uh, big sibling, like, you know, uh, I don't know, like huge fight, whatever you want to call it. We, we used to scrap a lot around food because we'd get something and we'd be sharing and if you didn't cut it and let the other guy pick, then it would just be a disaster. Um, and we also, my sister also got really good at hiding food and, uh, and just simply because if she didn't hide it, me or my dad would eat it and mostly it was me. So anyways, um, back to university, I gained 60 pounds in my first three years and, six, sorry, 70, I went up to 260. I came into university at about 190 and by the time I was from 19 to 23, I had gained, I went up to around 260. I went to the doctor, he told me that I had um, high cholesterol at the age of 23, I had high blood pressure, I think, or something. I forget what the high things were, but I was just like off the charts. I was like worse than like somebody who in their in their 50s was, and I was 23, and it didn't make any sense. And I was somewhat physically active, but you know, I had I actually was in relatively good shape for somebody, but for the amount I was eating, it just didn't matter. Like you know, I know now that what I eat is what causes me to gain weight. It's not how much I work out. It's really it's really how much I consume. Um, and so. 
I went on this uh, Jared Subway diet thing uh, that I had made up, and uh, and it worked like a charm. I lost like 70 pounds um, and went down to around 185, maybe 65 pounds at the end of university. But then I went away to England and I did a semester abroad and I was thin and I had a great time and I got a girlfriend, of course, and it was great. Um, and then as soon as I went back into the real world and work started and I was back in a new environment and there was a transition, boom, disaster, go up to 250 again. And it takes much longer for me to gain weight than it does for me to lose weight. So when I lose weight, it's really quick and it's fine and I still have the clothes from when I was thin last time. But when I gain weight, it's really usually painful. And, um, you know, every few weeks I have to change up to the next side. And I used to have a cupboard that had sizes ranging from 34 to 40, 42, 44. Um, I'd have, um, you know, just, I'd hate getting up in the morning because I, I just, dreaded getting in the shower because I knew after the shower I'd have to go into my cupboard and I knew that in, in my cupboard there'd be clothes and I'd have to put them on and, and they just hurt and I hated doing my pants. Um, as I was saying before, I had like, you know, larger, uh, I just, I, my chest was very big for a man and it was embarrassing because, you know, when you wear a t-shirt and you, like in the summer when, you, when it's hot out and you're wearing a t-shirt, like, first of all, you're sweating like a pig and because I was so big, um, and also, you know, I, it's obvious that I'm very big, but it, it just, it's extra embarrassing when you, you happen to have, like, I didn't carry my weight in my stomach, I did, but it was very evenly spread around my whole upper body, um, and my whole body in general, and it was just, it was just horribly embarrassing, and uh, I, so I would wear sweaters, and then I'd even sweat more, and I'd always wear, like, heavier clothes than I needed to, and um, so I just basically, you know, especially in the summer, I just hated getting out of bed in the morning. Um, I was able to do one more sort of round just to take you through it quickly. Uh, I got I got into a relationship. The first FA meeting I ever went to, I heard somebody share about how they um, their first addiction was their boyfriend. And you know, I, when I when I heard that, it was very interesting because I did have a relationship that sort of went on, and it was actually started the first night I ever drank. Uh, when I was 17 years old, I met someone, uh, and it was the first night. It was a friend, uh, uh, a sister of one of my friends, and we were just together. And I, I, it was the first time I ever drank, the first time I ever get drunk. And I swear to God, it's sort of like the, the going back to the first high. Like, I'm an addict, and I swear to God, like, this relationship really was like part of my disease as much as, uh, you know, as not, maybe not, I think food was my primary addiction and that's why I definitely think FA has been very, you know, helpful for me and has worked for me, but um, relationships, like I was very, very, very uh, unhealthy when it came to relationships and this one in particular. Uh, and it went on for over, on and off for about eight years and what I, what I realized when I was in New York is one of the reasons I moved to New York was one, due to sort of part tied into my resentment for my sister. She had a job in New York, and I was trying to sort of, I don't know, do it as well as her. I had some kind of this sick sort of keep up with my sister thing going on in my head. Plus, I was trying to get away from this relationship that was just on again, off again, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. And it was a very unhealthy relationship, and I was very, you know, caught up in you know, just sort of running back to this situation, basically self-destructing, knowing that when I got back there it would be the same thing over again, over and over again, running into a brick wall. It's sort of like the mentality of, you know, starting a diet every Monday and thinking that, okay, this time it's going to be different. This time I'm going to go to the gym if I sign up and spend hundreds of dollars every month and don't ever, ever go. Um, it, you know, I, I, it's just like all this like craziness in my head where I thought it would be different. It's insanity, like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Um, and I was doing that in so many areas in my life. So uh, I'm now in New York. Um, I had just done, again, this is the third time I've lost a significant amount of weight. Um, I'm at around 190. 
and I'm doing work. Meanwhile, like, you know, my life is generally successful. My parents still love me. Uh, you know, I still have friends, although one part of my story is that I always thought I didn't have friends. You know, I always, I don't know, double negative or something, but basically, you know, I grew up thinking nobody liked me, and then I always had to make the effort with friends, and it was all tied into the insecurity, but I always really did think that people um, only hung out with me because I asked them to. <laughs> and uh, so, I, but I, generally, like, when I look back, I did have a good network around me, and the bottom line was that my work was going really well from the outside looking in my life was great and it wasn't you know i was skating weight i was probably around again getting up to 215 to 220 um i was depressed i was doing very well in my business i just got promoted i was 27 at 26 i got promoted i was managing a team of like at the time somewhere between like 20 and 50 people depending on who you counted directly i was managing like 15 uh, most of them were substantially older than me it was very stressful i was getting paid relatively well i was living in a nice apartment in new york city you know everybody thought everything was going well and it wasn't like i was calling my mom i was crying i was going home at night you know depressed i was going out every weekend partying and drinking um, mostly so I could lower my inhibition so I could eat like a pig because most of the time I would be controlling my food. I'd always eat healthy food. I mean, I, I can't believe how much weight I gained eating disgustingly healthy food. It's like, it's so unfortunate. Like when I think about what I could be, could have been eating knowing that I could have eventually found a solution like F.A., like I would have probably done a lot different eating or at least. Um, so, but, you know, I tortured myself and that's just the way it was. Um, so luckily my parents were at a conference and they, they heard from somebody who they were sitting with about this program. And I sort of, I literally, I think for the entire month of November that year was in a daze. Like it was just, you know, all this stuff was happening around me. You know, work was crazy. My life sucked. I was depressed. And somehow this woman just got through to me. Like it was like five or six calls. Finally we got through. We talked. I thought my parents were actually trying to set me up on a date with her because it really wasn't a situation where like I knew that what I was walking into. All they said was that she had lost weight, but she was also in business and we had something in common. So we talked. And on that phone call, I started a program. I hadn't gone to a meeting. I didn't know what the 12 steps were. I didn't know anything about the spirituality. I didn't know anything. I just, within that call, um, I walked after that call. It was around an hour long. I walked to my fridge and I took a garbage bag and she told me to throw everything out and, um, and then I went across the road to the grocery store and I bought what she told me you know a fist size uh, piece of protein and you know stuff for breakfast and stuff for lunch and I didn't have a scale yet but she told me to go get one the next day um, she told me to where the next meeting is she gave me a bunch of numbers to call and those are still the people like I look around this room and I still see a number of the people that I was given their numbers the first day I'd program and they're the people a lot of them are who I still call today you know almost five years later um, and you know it just went on from there and you know again that was almost five years ago so I think I have enough time that was sort of what it was like and then what happened and you know what it's like today uh, I, uh, I was supposed to cry during this <laughs> somebody told me <laughs> but I'm not going to um, what it's like today is it's you know, it's unbelievable. I mean, like, if you, if I could tell you that when I was in 1997, I sat down with my boss at the time, and he said, "You got to write down your goals, Dan. You got to, you got to, to get forward in life, you have to know what you want." And you know, my goal, I had one goal: get thin, <laughs> stay thin, don't be fat. Like that was all the same goal. That was all one goal. If I could only just be thin, everything would be great. And I'll tell you, that's not the truth. Like, you can get thin, and things aren't all great. But, I mean, really. 
I had a list of like 15, 20 other things on that list, you know, like go to business school, learn another language, have a good relationship, um, you know, have friends, improve my education, you know, uh, I, there's a whole bunch of uh, travel, um, you know, at the time I wasn't living in New York, I was move, like live in another city, like I had all these things on my list, and some of them I actually did sort of get a, the head start on, because I'd also tried a lot of like self-help groups and self-help books and you know, they made a dent. You know, I also had personal coaches and I had therapists. Like, I, I did try a lot of things before program. But when I heard about what program was, to me it was... And I'd, I'd even tried a little bit of spirituality. Like, there was somebody in my life who brought, like, sort of God and the concept of praying into it. But it never gelled. Like, it was never all together. There was never... And it wasn't simple either. Like, first of all, you had to pay for most of it, which is not good. Um, I am extremely cheap. And the fact that this program was actually free other than a very reasonable donation to the seventh tradition every meeting i mean it just blows me away i mean it absolutely blows me away. i paid like a hundred dollars an hour to a therapist i paid like four hundred dollars a month to a coach i paid nutrisystem a ridiculous amount of money i paid weight watchers to go to camp i mean um i just paid health clubs thousands and thousands of dollars and i can get me anywhere i'm like you know i'm clearly not a very strong guy um and uh you know the, the bottom the bottom line is is that like this program brought it all together for me you know it brought me uh the, the one thing, and I don't often focus on like the higher power God thing um, because it sort of freaked me out when I first came in, but sort of for me what the higher power is is you know, sort of trusting and having faith and you know, being able to just have this underlying sort of knowing that things are going to be okay because I'm a freak. Like I am, I am an obsessive, compulsive, left to my own devices, self-sabotaging disaster. And... Um, with with a, and I can say that with confidence because you know because I don't eat today and because I have this program to work I can sort of get by and things are pretty great but um, you know I just know what I used to do and I know without having a sponsor and talking like I just know the craziness that goes through my head and I love hearing my sponsees talk because I got to tell you they remind me of me maybe not as bad but a lot of them a lot of them the kind of questions they ask me and they say it with a straight face you know that. You just think, like, this is such a cunning and baffling disease. Like, things really do go through my mind that are, that are just crazy, and I think they're okay, and I can rationalize them because I'm, I'm not only a manipulator of other people, but I'm a very good self-manipulator. Um, so anyways, what, it, what, it, what it's like now is I'm, um, you know, since I came into program, I lost the weight, um, and I kept it off, and that's just a miracle in and of itself in and of itself and then um, I was able to like I lost my job in program and I remember being almost happy like I got laid off and just being and I remember walking outside and going God you know what do you, what do you have in store for me what's next and I was excited and what was next was you know I ended up going down that day to uh, to a place where I ended up signing up for singing lessons which is something that I was terrified of doing in my entire life but I love to sing you know I used to do it in the shower in the closet and in the car like anywhere I could hide where then when, when I was drunk I'd go and do karaoke as long as I was drunk I could do other things, but I never did it. And you know, I so I, since then I've like taken a couple singing classes. I've been in a school play, uh, which was my my dream um, growing up, which I was always way too embarrassed to do because feared out insecurity tied to the fact that I was overweight and I just didn't have any self confidence. Um, I also, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to leave this right at the end in Russia. I mean, one of the things I said I didn't have any healthy relationships and. Um, you know, God had a, a very interesting plan, and the story would take much, much more than the time I have left to tell you, but um, it was actually tied to program. Like, there was, um, you know, briefly, I had a, a set of tickets to an event that I wanted to go to with a 
Canadian and no one would go with me. Uh, it was to a hockey game, and you know, I, I even offered them to somebody in program, um, you know, sort of to bond, uh, sort of a, uh, a fellowship thing. And out of that, that didn't work out. But he pointed me in the direction of my sister, and my sister also didn't want to go. So I ended up going with someone who worked with her, and that someone happened to be my wife now, which is very bizarre. Um, but you know, it all came from you know working this program. And then you know, I remember during that time, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. You know, I'd go to my meetings and put my meetings ahead of hockey game. Um, put my meeting ahead of the hockey game, which honestly was very tough for me. Um, and I and people in New York will remember that I used to come wearing my hockey jersey. And the second game, the second the meeting was over, I'd like run to the nearest place that it was on TV. Um, what else? I, I went to business school. I was terrified of even thinking about applying and taking the GMAT and doing all the things that are involved. Um, and, you know, one day at a time, through the support of my sponsor, through the support of the fellowship, through phone calls, bookending, you know, my sponsor used to say bookend. You know, if you know you have to do an application, you call someone in the program and you tell them that you'd like to, you need to do something. And then when you're done, you call them and say, okay, I accomplished this. And that was very helpful. And I, I remember, like, you know, freaking out and calling people because um, I was so nervous about what I was about to do. And, again, so much insecurity that I just call people that I didn't know. I had these sort of the old, like, not older, but, you know, there's sort of the young people I talk to on a daily basis, but there's also people who I'd, like, rely on um, who may have more experience or just be a little older, and there were the other, some other people that I'd call, you know, maybe in, on the West Coast, so at, late at night when I couldn't call because I was on the East Coast, I couldn't call people in New York when I got really stressed out or something was coming up in my life. I had, like, this network of people in, in program on the phone that I could call that could help me, and, you know, some of those people are here today, and it's... Okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Okay, that was the crying. If you can't see me right now, that's the crying. Um, but anyways, so um, I'm so grateful. Um, my life has completely, completely changed. Um, and, you know, basically it comes through just the very basics of this program. Um, I'll go through them really quick. I mean, my life consists today of, just like this morning, um, you know, I was pretty stressed out about this. I knew that I had to, you know, get up and eat my breakfast, weighed and measured, read my 24-hour day book, do my 30 minutes of quiet time. And I got to do that every day because, you know, I, I play around with it the odd time and do it a little later in the day and play games and stuff like that. But I know that if I don't do that, it's just, it's just not, it's just not, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I need to do it because I, so much going through my head and if I just don't calm down and ask God for help to clear myself for the day. It's, it's not very, it's not going to be a good day. Um, you know, weigh and measure my meals. I go to three meetings a week. Because I'm in a small fellowship, I'm so grateful for these tapes. I'm so grateful for, um, you know, having, well, the, the actual the AA program, because I go to two AA meetings a week, um, because we just only have four people in our entire fellowship, and one of them just came in two weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I came into program in New York, which was a somewhat small fellowship. Then I was in Chicago. When I got there, it was only two people, too, and that's grown. Uh, and it's wonderful to see how that's grown. And now in Toronto, it's actually really small. But I'm really excited. You know, do a little service slowly but surely. This program really works, so I'm confident it'll grow. But I still go to three meetings a week. Uh, and those are committed meetings. Those are meetings I go to no matter what. You know, i got to make it. If I'm in town, I go to my meeting. You know, there are rare exceptions, but um, generally no exceptions, really. Um, the phone uh, the phone calls, I, I, as I said before, they're, they're my lifeline, you know, in a small fellowship, but even when I was in a bigger fellowship in New York, having people to call on the East Coast, the West Coast, London, New York, you know, uh, I talked to people in Australia, um, Germany, 
it's just wonderful to stay connected to all these people and then to have these conferences to come to to, to see people in person that you've never seen before. Um, working in AWOL, I've been through three AWOLs now. I just finished my, my most recent one. I did one in person in New York, and it was wonderful. Um, and then I've, had, I've done two on the phone, and I say had to do because obviously I, I'd prefer to do it in person, but they're a great alternative, and I think it's incredible what I got out of the AWOLs. I, the AWOLs mostly went over my head. Working the steps went over my head the first time, second time, even part of the third time. But then at the end of each AWOL, I think, wow, you know, I have grown, I have grown a lot, and I do understand the 12 steps more, and living my life by following the 12 steps, you know, I, I can see the results. That's, I have to see results. Like, I'm not the kind of person who can sort of, as, it, as I go, like, sort of see what's happening, but I look back and I think, you know, my life's incredible. I'm married. I have this wonderful job. I have a wonderful apartment. I have a wonderful family. I'm thin. I'm thin. I'm thin. I mean, like, like I swear. Like, I mean, these, I mean, these things. I, I, I look at them and I think the, the, I tried my own way, and like that goes right into the sponsor thing. Like, I, I often say to my sponsees and to other people who complain about what their sponsor says, like, I honestly, it really didn't matter or doesn't matter what my sponsor, what my sponsor tells me. What really matters to me is that it's not me who's telling me what to do. Like, and, and my sponsor doesn't really tell me what to do. They you know, some are stronger than others, the suggestions that I'm given, but generally they're suggestions and it's really up to me if I want to take them. Um, and I choose to because I know that left to my own devices, if I decide what I want to do, I will self-destruct. And um, and I've seen it before. And luckily we have these tools around us to protect us. You know, I feel, think of my tools as a force field, all those things I just talked about, weighing and measuring the literature meetings, you know, the call, all that stuff is like my force field. So I can sort of, before I get to the point where I have to eat, Maybe there can be like little kinks in the shield, but um, you know they're all there to protect me. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, what else? You know, um, yeah, and you know, just like I, I, a little more about sponsorship. You know, I just I think if you're new and it's kind of weird because it was weird for me to take sponsor to take my sponsor suggestions at the beginning. It was weird, like this person I don't know who I've never even seen before because it was a long distance sponsor is telling me to do things, you know, and it's not always necessarily about the food, because sometimes it's about my life, like sometimes there's crazy things going on in my life that will lead me to eat, you know, whether it's my financial situation or it's traveling or trying to squeeze too many things into my day, and, you know, I hear these suggestions, and often I think, you know, who are you to give me suggestions about this? You're not, this isn't a food issue, and the truth is I'm so grateful that I have the willingness, the open-mindedness, um, and that I can get honest with my sponsor to tell her what's really going on in my life. Um, because, you know, it, it's just better. It's just like I can tell you now that it's better the way things are now than they were before. And if I compare myself, because I can really only compare myself to me then and before. I can't look at all the other people out there because I really don't know what's going on in their mind. I don't really know what's going on in their life. But I know for me, if I can just sort of trust that what I'm hearing from somebody else who has more experience than me in this program has worked for them, you know, maybe it'll work for me. And worst comes to worst, I can always do what I want. Like, I, I, no one's forcing me to do this, you know. And I'm what, what's what's keeping me here is the fact that this program works, and I'm really grateful for that. And what's keeping me here is the, you know, doing service, because um, that's a really key tool. Also, you know, whether it's, you know, starting a very small meeting, and one day at a time, you know, one week at a time, maybe getting one person, you know, after a few months, it doesn't matter. You know, that's I got to just keep giving it away so I can keep what I have. So anyways, I think that's it. I'm very grateful for having the opportunity to share. I was terrified to do this. But I also got on my knees in this room when I walked in and saw how many chairs were in here. It completely <laughs> freaked me out. I just got on my knees and asked God for help to just help me do service. 
and uh, help speak through me. So I hope that somebody in here got something out of what I'm saying, and I hope that somebody who's listening to this tape, just trust me, even if you're in a room and you're looking around, there's absolutely no one else with you, <laughs> which is what's happened to me many times, um, that it's okay, it, it'll be all right. You know, in time, people will show up. You know, just keep putting out those brochures and, you know, keep uh, just working the program. You know, the longer you stay, this stay abstinent, that's the best service you can do. All right. Um, will, you all, will you all remain in your seats, and those who wish to, please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website foodaddicts.org.